Welcome to Just Being, the podcast on learning to just be your most authentic self while caring for these minds and bodies we call home. Hello, beautiful beings. I'm Nikki. And I'm Kirsty. And today we're going to be discussing how our food choices contribute to better mental health and wellness and take a specific look at some vitamins and minerals that our minds and bodies need to thrive. But before we start, it's been a couple of weeks since our last episode. So Nikki, how have you been since I last saw you? Yeah, good. So new job still going well. Um, There's plenty of space to be creative, which I'm loving. The days go so quickly when you're doing something you're interested in. And I'm given a lot of autonomy, which I really love. I think that makes such a difference in a job, particularly when it is something you're a little bit more creative where you need that space to just come up with ideas experiment with different things there is a lot of exciting social stuff coming up over the next month so that's starting to feel like a little bit of pressure but I know it'll be so worth it and so much fun as it comes around we went camping over the last bank holiday weekend since we last spoke and I felt more rested after that than I have probably in the last couple of years even though I didn't sleep much because it was light and noisy and kids were up early I still just felt so much more zen and could like actually process my thoughts a lot better than (laughs) just the way it has been with the mind fog um so as soon as we got home we immediately booked another camping trip for the bank holiday weekend coming up next weekend so that shows what good time we had but I do think it's made me realize how important some time out is and I know we bang on about it but that time unplugged away from screens is what makes it quite so resting what about you Kirsty what have you been up to Oh, well, that first of all, that sounds so good. Having a proper nature reset. It's been so long since I've been camping and just getting back to like your natural rhythms with like the sun, when the sun's going up and down and just being yeah. surrounded by trees and fields. Like, that's so good. I need to do that soon. Um, I've also been having quite a busy time social wise. I um, had my friend Britt and Lydia's wedding on Sunday and it was so lovely. Just it's the first wedding I've been to in years and I haven't been to that many anyway, but. And Britt got all emotional at the altar when she saw Lydia walking down, which set us all off. And there was just so much love and like joy in the air and seeing them together and just how well their energy goes together. It was just so amazing. And then dance for about five hours straight. And I'm, now I'm in my 30s. I do feel, though, that I need to get home before midnight because... <laughs> Like Cinderella, everything turns back into like you don't pumpkin. want to turn into a pumpkin, yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, definitely by the end of the night, I was ready for my bed, but it was just so lovely. And I like the fact that you got to dress up in lots of sparkles. And as Britt said to you, if you can't go all out for a gay wedding, when can you do? Which was fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, it's been quite a foodie month for me as well. Um, so I had my friend's birthday, yes, Ashley's birthday yesterday. Um, we went out for Italian for that, which was lovely. All the pasta. And then um, tomorrow I've got my nan's birthday that we're going out for a pub meal for. And then in a couple of weeks time, it's my birthday, which we're going to the the pub across the road from you for. So yeah. <laughs> lots of food going on at the moment, but I'm really enjoying it. Ah, <laughs> uh, that sounds like the best way to spend time. And I love that, like me, you like to spend a month celebrating your birthday. <laughs> you have a birthday month, not a birthday day. <laughs> no, not a week. A week's not enough these days. It's got to be a month. <laughs> Foods that heal and foods that harm. One of the first things I did on my journey to healing from anxiety, along with Reiki and meditation, 
was to start to eat a more natural and healthy diet. I think the more I meditated, the more I became mindful about everything that I was doing, including eating. I became more aware of the link between my food choices and my mood. I'm really passionate about this because I've experienced the positive benefits for myself. Eating is something we do every day, so every time we get to make a choice. It helps to empower us to take responsibility for our own health and healing journey. Feeding your body with foods that love you is an important part of self-care and self-love. Yeah, food plays such a big part in our lives. But it's also about the mindset and being conscious of what you eat for the right reasons. And also seeing it as a privilege, because we do have a lot of privilege in the, the place where we live and the foods that we get to eat and how accessible things are and how quick cooking is. Um, just being more mindful of that in itself is a good start. For me, being mindful about what you eat isn't about restricting or eliminating foods, obviously unless you're allergic to something, but just being mindful of what you're putting into your body and how it makes you feel and feeling thankful for that food. Definitely, and on the physical side of it, the brain is an organ, and I think sometimes we forget that in the way that foods can affect other organs, you know, like the heart or alcohol can affect the liver, Mm. that's kind of talked about quite a lot but you don't think of how foods can physically affect the health of your brain and any negative physical effects on your brain can then lead to mental and emotional effects as we've mentioned many times before they are all connected for example there is a growing link between wheat and conditions like bipolar and schizophrenia some scientists think that this may be as so many people are intolerant to wheat and so the body produces an antibody response and this then causes inflammation and inflammation is a major contributing factor in most diseases, mental and physical. I've read something similar about dairy being the same as well. Like such a high percentage of people can't process dairy. And that has quite a lot of, um, even if you're not allergic to it enough that you're aware of it, it can have quite a lot a no- negative impact on the body and the mind, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. It's good that there's more kind of science around this. It's that gut brain axis I've talked about before. Living with IBS and having a dairy intolerance have made me pay so much more attention to what's actually in the food I'm eating and how it's making me feel. It's amazing how many random ingredients can be found in a lot of store-bought items that sometimes really don't agree with you and aren't great for your brain health. So one tip is to make things yourself when you can. Yes, it does take longer, but it means you know exactly what's gone into your food. And I think it often tastes better because you can make a pasta or curry sauce, for example, with the exact amount of garlic or spice that you like. That's true. It tastes so much better because I think they rely a lot on like tinned foods, you know, tinned soups and or ready meals. They rely so much on just putting loads of salt in there or loads of sugar in it for the flavour. But then it doesn't have, like you say, as many of those like spices and the depth to it and the herbs. I read something that said when you read the list of ingredients on a product, if you can't pronounce more than a couple of the ingredients, then you probably shouldn't be eating it because your body won't be able to recognise it and absorb it because it's all these synthetic chemicals and things that they fit in there. That's a really good tip. (laughs) There's a really good charity called Food for the Brain that I found a really good resource when I was starting to learn more about looking into the effect food had on my mental health. It really opened my eyes. They have information on the links between different food intolerances and deficiencies and the specific mental health conditions that they can lead to or contribute to. So it's got everything from Alzheimer's, anxiety, bipolar, schizophrenia. If you want to find out more about a specific condition and the effect that different foods have on it, you can visit www.com 
foodforthebrain.org. I don't have the um the specific titles to hand, and if anyone's interested, do DM me and I can find out. But my dad struggles a lot with arthritis and anxiety and a number of other conditions like heart problems, asthma, and he's got really into looking for books that are specifically around diets proven to help those conditions and he said it's actually really interesting makes a lot of sense and is starting to make a difference so it is something worth looking into and I'd like to flag again the amazing online community you've got this started by Lottie Drynan it's a really good resource for all sorts of things gut related like different conditions recipes around different and food tolerances or bloat-friendly clothing like leggings or trousers, or even just other people that understand what it's like having a gut health issue that you could moan to and will relate to what you're going through. So we've covered the potential negative effects of having too much of certain foods, but what about if you don't get enough of something? Yeah, so farming practices have depleted the soil due to intense mismanaged farming, soil nutrients are declining. So for example, 100 or so years ago, there would have been enough B12 found in high enough quantities that our bodies needed in just from the vegetables that we ate. But now the levels in the soil are so low that if unless you eat meat, you would probably need a B12 supplement to be able to get your recommended daily allowance. As I've mentioned before, I, I had B12 deficiency symptoms, but I wasn't even aware of it. I'd never even heard of it as a vitamin. Um, things like feeling tired, tingly sensations, kind of pins, random pins and needles in my body, just feeling very foggy. And I couldn't, the doctors did blood tests, everything was fine. And then it was when I started to, I was reading a book about nutrition, I heard about B12 and the fact that I've been vegetarian for four years, don't eat that much dairy anymore. I wasn't getting it and I had no idea, got my levels checked, did a private blood test. um, And it turned out that my levels were under the normal range. Um, And then since then, I've just been supplementing with B12 and all those symptoms disappeared within a couple of weeks. I think sometimes, you know, there's only so much that the doctors can do. So if you feel like you've gone for the standard blood test and your thyroids are right right, and things like that, but you've still got these unexplained symptoms that you can't get to the bottom of, um, it might be worth, if you can afford it, to invest in a private blood test. So the website I get mine from is MediCheck, spelled M-E-D-I, checks, um, and as well as different nutrients that you can test for, You can also just get a general blood test that will give you an overall view of your health from your cholesterol, your blood sugar level to your thyroid and things like that. And if your results are outside of the normal range, you'll get comments from a doctor included in it. And it will also explain and give you more information on to what a high or low level of certain things mean. But the best way to get all the vitamins and minerals that you need is through eating the rainbow and as many different varieties of fruits and vegetables as you can. That's why it's good to either eat seasonally or on rotation rather than sticking to the same foods every day. However, if you do need supplements to make up any gaps in your diet, I would recommend getting them from Cytopan, which is www.cytopan.co.uk. I take their omega supplements most days as I don't eat fish that often. And it's sourced from marine algae that the fish would basically eat, which causes them to be high in omegas. So it's just basically cutting out the middleman or the middle fish. I like Cytopan as they offer organic and whole food supplements, which are more easily broken down and absorbed by the body as it recognises it as a natural food source. A lot of the standard supplements you get in the supermarkets are synthetic, so your body isn't able to process and absorb as much of it. 
So even though it says 100% of your recommended daily allowance on the packet, in reality, your body might only be able to absorb and use a fraction of that. I didn't know that. That's um, that's worth knowing, actually. And I do a lot of my supplements from the supermarket. So maybe I need to revisit that. And I think a lot of people know that vitamin C and D are good for our physical health and immune systems. But there's just not that much known about other vitamins and minerals, particularly when it comes to the impacts on our minds. Yeah, so let's have a look at some of the main ones. So... B9, which is known as folate, and B12 are needed for the production of neurotransmitters, serotonin and dopamine, and they play a role in regulating cognitive behaviour patterns and emotions. Some mental symptoms you might experience if you have a deficiency of one of these would include mood swings, depression, anxiety and irritability. And some physical signs to look out for, and some that I had when I was on B12, would be a swollen tongue, mouth ulcers, constant tinnitus, and another one is problems with your balance. Food sources of this, if you're in need of more of it, would be eggs, nuts, whole grains and fish. And Marmite, love it or hate it, is also fortified with them, as are a lot of breakfast cereals these days. I think that one's really interesting because serotonin is one of the main ingredients in a lot of the anxiety and depression medication. Oh, I, um, I know what I take at serotonin and that's to regulate the balance in the brain for anxiety. Um, and for your mood, it's just to make it level out a bit more. Mm. Um, but it's never occurred to me to try eating foods that will have the same thing in it. That's a, a really interesting idea. Yeah, another good one for serotonin is um, dark chocolate, especially um, cacao, if you get it in its raw powdered form, which is really bitter um, because it hasn't obviously had any, mm. been through the process to make it sweeter or had any sugar added to it. But the nutrients that you get in that are so good and it is like a natural mood booster and has positive effects, I think. Um, or if that's too bitter for you, you can just go for like dark chocolate, like a high percentage, 70 or 80% dark chocolate as well. Mm. So it is true when they say chocolate's good for you, you know, not the Super milk sugary, chocolate. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it's got 50 grams of sugar, but actual dark chocolate when it's raw form, form is really good for you. Another important mineral is zinc. Um, so this is necessary for the regulation and calming of the neurological system. And there have been some studies that show that zinc supplementation has actually been successful in improving the symptoms of ADHD. Low zinc levels have been linked to depression, foggy thinking and memory problems. Some of the physical symptoms would be excessive hair loss, frequent colds as it plays a big part in helping the immune system, or loss of taste and slow wound healing. So some good sources of zinc would be pumpkin seeds, lentils, oysters and mushrooms particularly shiitake mushrooms zinc something i started taking around covid and i think a lot of people suddenly became more aware of it then because it's meant to be so good for boosting your immune system and i definitely have got less ill over the last year oh, but then i ha so also good. have left the house less so <laughs> <laughs> we'll chalk it up to zinc but <laughs> the lack of human contact <laughs> I think that is one good thing that's come out of the pandemic is that it's really helped people to take a look at other things they can do to support their immune system, like zinc and taking vitamin D um, and things like that that maybe we took for granted a bit in the past. So I think that's one good thing that has put a spotlight on that. Mm, take back more control of their health. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then the last one that we mentioned would be omegas 3 and 6, which are fatty acids. So the brain is made up of about 60% fat. And research has shown that um, these fatty acids can help to prevent relapses in psychotic disorders. And some evidence shows it can even slow or reduce cognitive decline that can eventually lead to Alzheimer's. 
So some symptoms of this would be fatigue, again, depression, dry skin, or inflammatory diseases like arthritis. And some good sources of this would be one of my favourites, avocados, olive oil, oily fish, eggs, nuts, and sunflower seeds. And then anything that's high in antioxidants can protect the brain. So like we said about the dark chocolate, dark leafy green vegetables like kale and collard greens, blueberries, all have a protective effect. I think it's really good that there's more awareness coming out um, around this because understandably doctors are so quick to put people on medication um, because they don't necessarily have the time to sit and look at people's holistic diet and their exercise and their Mm -hmm. sleep routines. But the more information that we have ourselves around these things that might help, at least you could you could give it a go first. You know, there's there's no harm in that. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with taking medication. I think sometimes it's fully needed to help with different conditions or mental health problems. But if you could even get a little bit of the benefits from stuff that you could just eat naturally, then why not try? And the good thing is they all sound pretty tasty. Avocado in particular is just one of my all-time favourite foods. Going back to making your own sauces, one of my favourite recipes, particularly for summer, is a nice lunch pasta dish, which is blended avocado with a little bit of the pasta water and my super secret ingredient, which is a splash of Nando's garlic sauce. As I can't eat dairy, avocado is a great alternative to kind of getting that creamy texture Mm. in a sauce, which is fantastic. I've also recently got into drinking matcha tea, which I think is also high in antioxidants. My dad was drinking it and kept making it for me whenever I went over to help out with my mum. And at first, I really wasn't sure. This very green, (laughs) kind of slightly fishy tasting (laughs) liquid. But I noticed I felt so good after drinking it. I can't really explain how. It's comforting and felt like my body wanted it and was happy after having it. But I think the key for matcha tea is finding the right brand. I did try some cheaper ones. And they did take a little bit, taste a little bit too much like pond water for me. (laughs) But Pure Chimp is the one that I've stuck with. And that's the one that my dad was using as well. And it doesn't have quite so much of that um, slightly fishy aftertaste to it. That's the thing. Trying new things. Because our taste buds are so used to what we've had like all our lives. The thought of trying something new. Especially if it's got quite a strong flavour to it. I remember the first time I had avocado. I still remember. (laughs) When uh, about six years ago. And it was, I found the consistency of it really strange to start with because it was not like anything I'd had before. And I was like, oh, I've heard it's good for you. I'll try it. And I tried it in a wrap first and I was like, mm, it's okay. But now I'm like addicted to them. And it's so funny how your taste buds adapt to it. And then I think sometimes your body then starts to crave something. So if it's been missing something or a certain vitamin, like vitamin K and avocados, then it gets that. And like you say, when you had that matcha, it was just like, oh, I didn't mm. know I needed this, but my body's giving me this sign of this comforting kind of feeling of yeah "Yeah, that's what I wanted yes thank you yeah (laughs) one other thing that I get that from is um hot chocolate cacao um that I make rather than buying hot chocolate like I used to so it would just be some cacao powder a little bit of vanilla essence a bit of honey um and then any kind of plant-based milk or any milk you want to use and then just heat it all up on the stove sometimes put a little bit of cinnamon powder in as well and that just feels like a like a hug in a mug Mm, sounds pretty good so I have um, a super good, speaking of pond water, I have a super greens powder that I take and for years I used to take it every day, but I've got out of the habit of it and I only take it every now and then. 
And that's one thing that my taste buds haven't really adapted to. All these years later, it still tastes kind of like pond water. <laughs> but because I know it's good for me, my brain's like, no, it's fine. Just knock it back like a glass of it with like a teaspoon every morning. Um, and that's got like those of different vitamins and minerals in it and just feels like it gives you a natural energy boost. And I just find that my eyes feel brighter, my skin feels clearer. Um, so having that sometimes in the morning instead of a cup of tea, I find really helpful. And there's a website that I love to get all my herbs and teas and whole foods from. Um, it's delivered from a store down in Glastonbury called Indigo Herbs. And all of their products are really good quality and delicious. My favourite breakfast is peanut butter and cacao and banana smoothie. And then I just chuck some flax and chia seeds in there for the omegas. Whiz it all up in my Nutribullet. It's so quick and easy and it tastes good. It feels like it's doing good for my body and it just makes you think that myth when you're a child where you think that anything that's good for you must taste disgusting isn't true. Like it can be delicious. Inspired by you, I started doing smoothies over lockdown and as my base, I always have half an avocado or a banana and some nut milk. And then every day you can just chuck something different in like strawberries, mm -hmm. watermelon, pineapple, and they've all got such different tastes and make you feel like really good in different ways. But it's so <laughs> yummy. It's mm -hmm. and really good for you. And quick and easy if you're in a rush as well. Exactly. Or, or get it ready the night before, put it in the fridge and it's ready for the morning. Yeah, exactly. When I moved house, I had to cut back on my spending a bit to cover the increase in rent. And one of the things that I was gutted to let go of was my Gusto recipe boxes that I used to get every other week. They are a really quick, easy way to learn to cook fresh with very simple ingredients, which is why I rate Gusto so much, because it's the sort of stuff that you're likely to have in your house anyway. But they give you the exact amount that you need for recipe for the recipe but the beauty of them is that you learn to cook different recipes and there's a lot that I still make now even though I don't get the book anymore one of my absolute favorites and it's still one of my top go-to meals is the honey chili soy sauce prawn stir fry which I have with brown rice and quinoa and you just chuck in some fresh avocado grated carrot soya beans which is something that I've never tried before and thinly sliced radish on the side, which sounds weird, but is fantastic. I think it's something I've made for you before, Kirsty. Yep, I can definitely vouch for it. It was delicious. It's so good. Also, as we've mentioned before, we're both trying to get into more batch cooking and then freezing the leftovers as a gift to future us after a long day at work. And that can really help you to stop reaching for the takeaway menu or getting something out of the oven. <laughs> Definitely. For those days where you're just tired after work and you want a quick something quick but nutritious and then you go to the freezer and then it's just there waiting for you. I love that. Um, I love cooking and one thing that um, I treated myself to was, I don't know if you've heard of Le Crucier, but it's basically a very overpriced, I would say, um, cookery set and it's all like cast iron. So there was, I had my eye on this like ombre orange cooking pot but it was like, oh, I think £150 or something like that. And I was like, oh, I want it, but I can't justify it. And then I found a bargain version in Sainsbury's for £30. And I love it so much. Just this big, heavy cast iron pot to just throw everything into. It, pretty much every meal I make in there, that's my way of cooking, is one big pot, less washing up, mm. put in whatever you've got and just hope for the best, pretty much. I'm exactly the same. I think I've got something similar from what you're describing, but mine's just a bit black and boring, but I always call it my cauldron. Yes, I was going <laughs> to say that. My friend said that before. Like, oh, you're around your cauldron again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you can, and the thing is, you can do so much, like you were saying, with just simple ingredients. So just get a 
tin of tomatoes and any veg that you've got lying about, maybe some garlic or onion, cut it all up, chop it, chuck it in the pot. Um, and then if you want to add kidney beans and chilli powder, then you've got a nice veggie chilli. Or you could add lentils and oregano and then you've got yourself a veggie bolognese. It's just so much you can do with, this, with the same ingredients. That's one of Chris's go-tos when he's cooking. Just some mince, some assorted veg, whatever we've got in the freezer, can of chopped tomatoes, chuck it all in the cauldron and then you can bulk cook base that's great to freeze and every time we defrost it we use it for something different so it's the exact same meal basically and then we can use that to turn it into a chili a spag bowl a lasagna a shepherd's pie chuck it on top of a baked potato so you feel like you're eating a lot of different things with kind of your same base which is a great way to um kind of cheat code life a little bit (laughs) Mindful and intuitive eating. So as I said earlier, like with so many other mental health practices, it all comes back to mindfulness. It's a case of trying to be more aware of what you're putting into your body, but without getting caught up in thinking about the calories. It's okay to treat yourself, but don't reach for snacks on autopilot. As I've paid more attention to checking in with my mind and body over recent years, I've definitely become more aware of the impacts different external stimuli have on both mental and and physical well-being. I know I flagged it before, but I really do think the practice of keeping a food diary is something everyone should do at some stage, or even multiple points throughout their lives, as the way our minds and bodies and guts react to things does change. What we eat can have such a huge impact on how we feel, how we sleep, our moods, and it really does seem to vary person to person what foods are friend or foe. Yes, there's an app out there that um, I used for a while when I was first going vegetarian to make sure there weren't any gaps in um, the vitamins and minerals that I was getting um, called Chronotype. It did have the calorie counter on there as well, but I just completely ignored that. It was more the things that I wasn't even aware I needed like zinc or iron and things like that that I was using it for and I found it really helpful also I think like you say knowing your body and listening to your cravings the ones for you know natural whole foods rather than the ones for the Mars bars maybe but (laughs) the chocolate biscuit cravings (laughs) yeah so after I'd been vegetarian for um a few years I was with my ex-partner at a birthday party in a pub garden and there was a buffet and bought us a selection of sandwiches on a plate and one of them was salmon and I was really craving salmon hadn't had it since I've been vegetarian and something in me I just couldn't resist it so I put this bought this plate out for us to share so he saw the salmon sandwich knowing that I don't didn't eat fish at the time assumed it was for him picked it up and as he went to put it to his mouth it was like a slow motion was like no and then just like visceral reaction (laughs) yeah and he looked at me it was so embarrassing because he's in the middle of a conversation and um I was like, no, that's for me. And he's like, but you don't eat fish. And I think my body was craving it that much that it was just like a need it kind of thing. So now I do eat fish sometimes if I'm really craving it. Man, I wish I got more cravings for healthy food, but fish is probably the one thing I can relate to. So 
both you, me and you will just get such intense cravings for sushi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do think that that's going to be the thing to bankrupt us. But you do feel so good afterwards. And I think fish in particular is one that's so easy to forget to eat. And it does have so many things that are important for the brain and the body. I know I feel so much better when I'm regularly getting salmon or prawns into my diet. Yeah, definitely. Prawns actually is another thing I've started craving recently that I hadn't had for ages. And now I treat myself to a nice prawn cocktail sometimes. And I think as well as being mindful of what you eat, it's also important to be mindful of when you eat. So the three square meals a day slogan is a bit outdated in that everyone's bodies are different. People have different energy levels and activity levels and different routines and things like that, that this might not necessarily work for them every day. It's definitely not one size fits all. And as we said, it's important to listen to your body and eat when you're feeling hungry. That's it. I don't don't starve yourself because it's not dinner time yet. It's just having having the snacks that make you feel better and are good for you. My partner works out quite a lot and he has a very high metabolism and he really suffers when he's got low blood sugar. He gets the shakes, he can't think properly. So as standard, he has five meals a day. And that works for him. That's the best way to do it. And I think that's it. Just checking in with yourself and working out a routine that works for you. But also checking in with yourself and paying attention to if you're hungry or if you're just bored. (laughs) (laughs) But I think as well as paying attention to what you eat and when you eat, it's actually paying attention to the eating itself. You are more aware of when you're full or how certain foods are making you feel if you pay attention to the eating rather than just shoveling food down your face while you're powering through work or if you're concentrating on a TV show. Studies show you are much less likely to realise your body sending you the I'm full now signals if you're doing something else at the same time as eating and you just won't appreciate the flavours in the food itself as much. And another thing, eating in a rush as well, I think is so bad. And I used to do that, even if I wasn't necessarily in a rush to get somewhere, I used to just wolf it down and not chew it properly. And think. I've really made an effort to start trying to chew each mouthful more times. And like you say, you get so much more of the flavours and things like mm. that and appreciation for it. It's like when you drive on autopilot. There's been so many mm. times where I've had lunch at my desk and I think, I can not tell you what that meal tasted like. I don't even remember eating it. And that's so sad. Mm -hmm, Definitely. It's something to be appreciated and enjoyed with all the senses. Mm. But there are some times when food might not be what the body needs to heal at that time. So I found out recently the saying stuff a cold, starve a fever has been misinterpreted over the years. So I think most people like me thought that it meant that if you have a cold, you should stuff it with food. And if you have a fever, you should starve it. But actually, the original origin of the saying is, if you have a cold and stuff it, you will then have to starve of fever because Ah, it will be a negative effect. Interesting. So this is the reason why you don't usually feel as hungry when you're sick. One, because you're less active, but also because 70% of your immune cells are in your digestive tract. So eating constantly doesn't give you time to heal as all of your energy is constantly going on digesting the food. And the cells are busy doing that. So an analogy I heard recently was your body is like the castle and your immune cells are like the defenders or the soldiers around the castle. So if they see an enemy coming, which in the case of the body would be an outside virus or a bacteria or something that it needs to defend and fight against. If they just dropped all their weapons and then went to the canteen for lunch, that's basically what your body's doing in that. all that time it's spent digesting is time when it's not 
doing the other processes it needs to do, like healing and protecting from pathogens. So I wonder if that's why I get cold all the time, because I'm constantly eating. (laughs) (laughs) Your body does most of its healing and repairing while you sleep. So if you have a big heavy meal quite close to your bedtime, even when you're asleep, your digestion slows down, but it's still having to work through and process that food before it then can start doing the other healing processes. So this is one thing that I struggled with. I was having dinner about six o'clock and then I found myself snacking at like 10 o'clock right before I went to bed. So I tried moving my dinner to slightly later, so 7 or 7.30, still giving myself enough time to process it before I went to sleep, but then I'd be less likely to find myself wanting to snack right before bedtime. And also this will help you sleep better. And as we know, lack of sleep can lead to poor food choices and us going for quick fixes that aren't nutritious. I know I find myself craving extra carbs or sugar if I'm tired. It's like my body is trying to source energy from food when really it just needs to sleep. So when I first got diagnosed with IBS, one of the things that I learned that was really interesting is that if you eat earlier in the evening, it can help the symptoms of that. Because the digestion slows down so much, you get a lot more of a buildup of stomach acid if you eat before bed. So since then, probably for like the last seven years, I always have dinner at six. And I used to really struggle with that, getting hungry before bed, trying to fall asleep and just lying there listening to my tummy rumbling. Mm -hmm. And something that's really helped me is having a mug of chamomile tea or something about half an hour before I get to bed. Because not only do you get the soothing, sleepy vibes from the chamomile, but it gives your tummy that slightly warm, full feeling. Mm -hmm. So you're not lying there just thinking about food. That's a really good idea, actually. I do have herbal tea sometimes, but I've never tried it before bed. I might give that a go. So if you'd like to find out more about the link between our food and our mental health and ways that you can support and heal your mind and brain, I would recommend giving the Food Revolution Summit a listen. It's on every year. I think this is about its 10th year and it's actually on at the moment. It's a free online event with three hours a day of interviews with different guest speakers, doctors and nutritionists. So you can listen to it at www.foodrevolution.org. It's hosted by the son and grandson of the owner of Baskin Robbins, which is a big ice cream empire over in America. And John actually turned his back on the family business when he realised the effects that their product was having on people's health at the time, including his own uncle who passed away quite young from a heart attack and used to eat the ice cream day and night. It's got some really good advice and tips that you can just take away to implement into your own lives and fit around your own eating lifestyle. Another recommendation I would make is Dr. Drew Ramsey. Um, He's on social media and again, he's got lots of good recipes and tips that specifically promote brain health. Also, Dr. Armin, who specialises in the effects on the brain from physical and emotional trauma, substance abuse and environmental and lifestyle factors. And he looks at things you can do, including um, different foods and supplements to help to support healing the physical aspects of the brain. And is that Dr. Armin A-M-E-N? Yes. Yep. I regularly listen to the Happy Place podcast hosted by Fern Cotton. It's one of my favourite podcasts. And there's a fantastic episode she did with the Happy Pair, who are a set of twins who run the Veg Box, which is a kind of veg delivery service. But they also train people and help people on how to cook healthily. Mm-hmm. And they're both very much into their fitness. They're very healthy young men. Um, so it's kind of giving people the the knowledge they need to have to be healthy while being vegetarian. Um, so if you're interested in this sort of thing, that's something that's also might be worth having listened to. 
And I've also just started a healing diets coach course as part of a neutropathy diploma that I'm looking to work towards in future. I'm excited to learn more about this subject and I will share with you any new food tips or anything that might help in our future episodes. But remember, every body and every mind is different. And just like different meditation practices or exercise programs will work better for some people than others, so will different food lifestyles. It's not one size fits all, so take time to listen to and understand the signals that your body is given to you and to learn how you can best nourish your own unique mind and body. And that's it. It's about nourishment and not starvation. It's trying to keep your mind and body healthy, not obsessing about meeting any kind of ideal standard. Thank you for listening. If you've got any questions or comments, please get in touch. Let us know about your experiences with food and and what's helped your mental health. And if you want to listen to our other episode on nutrition from season one, you can find it on your usual podcast provider under Just Being. You can also find us on social media under Just Being underscore podcast or follow us on Instagram. Nikki is colour me happy with two E's in me and I'm Alista Kirsty, one word with no C. Or if you want to get in touch, you can also email us at justbeing underscore podcast at hotmail.com. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do like it, leave us a review, save it so you can come back to the tips later, or even better, share it with someone else you think might find it interesting. Or if you want to show us your support, we also have a buy me a coffee link, which you can find on any of our social media pages or from our website. Goodbye, lovely listeners. And until next time, remember to just eat mindfully. Join us next week where we'll be talking about carving out your own path in life.